So if you've got a Bible, if you can turn to uh, Luke chapter 7, we're on our series of tales of the unexpected. A few people came up to me and said, so what are you going to be talking on? I said, obviously I can't tell you because it wouldn't be unexpected. (laughs) Boom, boom, yes, okay, don't give up the day job. (laughs) So when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus, sorry, I'm starting in verse 36, Uh, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I've something to tell you. Uh Uh-oh. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Bit of a no-brainer of a question. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, wait for the nuclear bomb, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven which would have been outrageous at the time. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? How audacious. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. When I was at school and and I finished my GCSEs and was thinking about A-levels, which I know a number of people in the room will be, um, the teachers that were advising me didn't think too highly of me. Uh, they thought I was too thick to do three proper A-levels. So what they advised me to do was to do two proper ones. I did history and economics, and then one, a bit of a Mickey Mouse A-level, classical civilization. It it was half the amount of time uh, per week of the proper ones. Um, But amazingly, it still had the same UCAS points. Uh, That scam has now been taken away, by the way. (laughs) But basically, we spent the whole A-level... looking at life and literature at the time of Jesus in, in, in Greek and Roman uh, civilization. And, and what is clear from that, or what became very clear to me, is that compared to today, women were treated shockingly badly. And they had virtually no legal rights. They had very poor access to education. Um, access to interesting work was virtually nil many were unable to freely leave the house. So if you were a woman, it was a pretty rum deal, which is why some of the things that Jesus said to value women were just outrageous in the day. 
I got a B in the A-level, by the way. <laughs> so, so for this woman to walk uninvited into a room full of any men was, a, was completely shocking. To actually walk uninvited into the house of a Pharisee, you know, the religious SAS, was bordering on the outrageous. So what on earth made her do it? Something incredibly risky and, and completely cutting across the culture of the day. Well, Simon knew about her past as well, as well as her knowing that she, this sense of shame that I suspect she carried. And she did what probably a lot of us would do, which is in his head, he kind of found himself judging both her and Jesus. You know, he said when the Pharisee who'd invited him saw this, he said to himself, you know, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Simon expected that if Jesus knew who she was and what she'd done, that he would judge her, just like the Pharisees were doing. What he didn't realize, what he hadn't grasped, was that Jesus was ushering in a completely different era in how people related to God. It says in John 3.17, in explaining why Jesus came to earth, it says, For God didn't send his Son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's a bit like God was so desperate to get back into relationship with his beloved creation, you and I. He took drastic action. He basically said, I'm going after them. I'm not going to wait for them to come to me. I'm taking the initiative. In Luke 19, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I mean, I, I've looked at a number of religions that exist in the world. I'm not aware of anyone that has a God that does that. Many, you've got to strive and you've got to try your very best to be accepted. But there's none that actually where their God came and said, I'm coming after you because I love you so much. And not only that, he allowed himself to be born as a human so people could actually see what God was really like because he knows that we, we have a habit of distorting our picture of God. Somebody said, God made man in, in his own image and man returned the favor. <laughs> it's so easy to make God like how I feel about myself. So for example, if I feel guilty and ashamed of what I've done, I make God into a stern judge. If I feel unlovable, I make God into someone who's disappointed in me. If I've got stuff hidden in the past that I'd rather keep buried there, I can make God into someone who's out to get me and expose me. But if you, if you feel that God's out to get you, to condemn you, you've only got to look at how Jesus responds in this story to know how he really feels about you, which is a heart that is overflowing with love and mercy, as we've been singing about. I mean, this woman had a lot of history, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of baggage, whatever you want to say. Um, it's most likely that she was a prostitute. So what was it that compelled her to be courageous in going into this room full of men, full of religious people, who she knew would have just looked down on her and treated her like dirt. I believe she grasped what many of the Pharisees couldn't. She grasped that Jesus was God, 
but he wasn't the God the Pharisees tried to manage people's relationships with, you know, and portrayed as an angry God who could never be, desati- could never be satisfied despite these endless rules and requirements that they invented. But rather, he was a God who was loving beyond her wildest imagination. He was, cra- he was gracious and compassionate. She knew he was full of forgiveness. And she clearly said to herself, that's worth risking everything for, looking a complete idiot for. That's what I've been looking for all my life, and I'm not going to miss my chance. And and to answer Simon's judgment, Jesus did know who was touching him and what kind of woman she was, that she was a sinner. But Jesus, like God, Jesus was God. He came to save people, not to judge them. I know sometimes we misrepresent him and present this angry God, but that isn't the Jesus we see representing God in in the scriptures. And not only that, he didn't bring a massive rule book with him. He said, "If, if you do all these things, I might love and accept you. He actually said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus knew exactly who this woman was and he loved her. Some of you here might not know Jesus. Jesus says exactly the same thing to you. I know about your past. I know who you are, and I love you. And what's clear is that when anybody comes to Jesus with a repentant, a sorry heart, or a heart that's hungry for the life that he offers, Jesus says to you what he says to her. Verse 48, your sins are forgiven. Verse 50, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I think it's really important to notice here that Jesus didn't shame her. He knew who she was. He knew what she was involved in, but he didn't shame her. In another situation where a woman was caught in the very act of adultery, Just imagine how humiliating that must have been. Punishable by death under Jewish law. Again, he didn't shame her. Yet she says to her in John John 8, has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus knows what we've done, but he doesn't want to shame us. He doesn't condemn anybody that approaches him in faith. Faith in Jesus is choosing to believe him and to trust that he is, as we've been singing about, overflowing in goodness and mercy. It's a choice. Some of you may not have made that choice yet, but there's something I can guarantee you. You'll find mercy and compassion beyond what you could possibly imagine. I know when we start to think about God, it's easy, because I do this myself, to start comparing yourself, thinking I'm not good enough. You know, I start comparing myself to others. Typically, I end up with quite unfavorable comparisons. And this woman didn't do too well on the self-righteousness scale, particularly compared to people in that room. I suspect she felt a lot of shame. Maybe like this woman, you're sick of who you are. Maybe it's difficult for you to change but you want to change I've got some good news for you some very good news Jesus is the kindest person you could ever hope to meet 
and he welcomes you. You don't need to feel like you deserve it. All you need to know is he deserves you because he allowed himself to be sacrificed in order to win back humanity from the grip of the evil one. That's good news. He is the best person you could ever possibly hope to meet. That's probably why people were happy for him to come to their parties, to be involved in what they were doing, because he was a great person to be around. He looks at you with a face just oozing warmth and love and says, welcome home. You might feel bad about some of the stuff you've done in the past. Most people have got history. But even that sense of feeling bad can be God calling you to freedom. It actually says in Romans, God, God's kindness is intended to, to lead you to repentance. And if you are in that comparison business, I mean, there's quite a few of us in this church that have got some history. They've done some pretty rum things in the past. We're not claiming to be any better than anybody else. We've just responded to the love and the majesty of Jesus and he's graciously transforming us. But there is no sense of superiority. That's one of the reasons why I love this church. You'll just find loads of grace here. It's full of grace monkeys. <laughs> when, you th- when you think of or approach God, if you don't think of an incredibly compassionate and loving father who adores you, then you've got a flawed picture of God and you need an upgrade to fit more with reality. I've been reading this amazing book by a guy called Graham Cook. It's called Approaching the Heart of Prophecy, A Journey into Encouragement, Blessing, and Prophetic Gifting. And he says this, what we think about God is the single most important thing in our lives. Whatever we perceive God's nature to be will color how we live spiritually, physically, emotionally, and relationally. It's unavoidable. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, says Revelations 19. Our testimony of who Jesus is for us will drive our prophetic gift for the rest of our lives. For better or for worse, how we connect with God's nature will determine how we prophesy. For the word prophesy, you can read portray God. Because all of us who are saved in some ways are a prophetic message about who God is and about his transforming power. What's the message you're giving? Bill Johnson says, God is good. If we represent him well, people will want him. It's inevitable because he's so wonderful. That leads me on to the second part of what I want to just say. If you are a follower of Jesus, God's audacious plan is that we, his people, extend this wonderful kingdom of grace. That's why when his disciples asked him, teach us how to pray like you do. Now, when you pray, it seems quite interesting. Things You seem to be different afterwards, and other things seem to be different. And what he says in Matthew 6, in the Lord's Prayer, one of the most famous prayers in the Bible, is, is quite shocking in one sense. Because he starts off, I'm going to sort of paraphrase it a bit, but he says, it starts off, Dad, in heaven, you're great. You're like the best dad any of us could ever hope to have and then he says your kingdom come your will be done on earth as in heaven 
Your kingdom is so much better than what's going on down here. And we want to bring it to wherever we are because it's so wonderful. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, he says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. It's at the heart of our calling as Christians to spread that incredible grace. When you're an ambassador for your country... One of the things that you're there to do is to represent and promote your country's interests and to look after the welfare of your country's citizens. That's what God wants us to do, to partner with him to extend the reign of his kingdom in life. And central to that is actually having this vibrant relationship with God. In fact, there's no other way. I mean, Jesus says to his disciples, this is people who are well-trained They've been trained by Jesus for three years. And he says to them I, in John 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is people that have spent three years with Jesus. That dynamic, vibrant relationship with God is vital to extending God's kingdom. And of course, one of the ways we do that is, is, is by the things we choose to do. It's been great to hear this morning things that people have chosen to do, to give 10 days of their time to go to Bulgaria, to transform a park as, a, as almost a prophetic sign, to spend time in an orphanage, to actually go around the country using the medium of dance to explain just how wonderful God is. Another way, of course, is actually by just sensing what the Holy Spirit leading us to do and to, and to be obedient to that. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter, the encourager. It's kind of, it brings the life of God to us so that we can actually extend it. And I believe there is a huge amount that is possible when we're in that place. And I want to demonstrate that to you um, right now. I'm going to start big so what is possible for all of us who are following Christ in this room and kind of work backwards to the here and now? So I'd like to start just by sharing with you a, um, a story from the, the same guy I quoted earlier, Graham Cook. He's, he's having a cup of coffee in Starbucks. And he sees this person walk in and join the queue. And they look absolutely wrecked. They're really miserable. And he says to God, what on earth has happened to that person? And he senses the spirit of God saying, they've just found out that their, sick, that their daughter, who they thought was at university, is actually living on the streets, addicted to crack cocaine, and selling themselves to fund the habit. And they've got no desire to change. Whew. What do I you would do in that situation if you felt God say that. One of the things I'm realizing a good thing to do is to actually ask God, what do you want me to do about it? And that's, that's what he, he says, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? And he senses the Spirit saying, I'm going to give you a prayer to write down and I want you to go and give that prayer to that guy and tell him that if he prays that regularly, in six months his daughter will be off the street and, and will be living at home. By the way, he's an atheist. <laughs> Great. So he waits for the person to sit down. 
he kind of wanders over there and says, hi, I'm Graham. And the guy says, F off. And he says, no, I've, I've, I've actually got something to tell you. He said, I don't care who you are, F off. He says, it's about your daughter. And the guy says, oh, can I take a seat? He says, yeah, okay, sit down. Um, he said, when you came in, I saw, I saw you looking absolutely wrecked. He said, and I asked God, what's, you know, what's happened to lead someone to be so, so wrecked like that? Uh, and I felt God say, you know, he, he tell me about your daughter, just, that you just found out about her. And the guy interrupts him and says, there is no God. He said, well, I'm about to prove you wrong. Um, he says, because what God says to you is, um, and he passes in the prayer, he says, if you pray this, he said, God, in six months, he's going he's to bring your daughter back to you. And the guy just starts crying and says, help me. And what Grand Cook says, pray that prayer. The guy says, it's pointless. You know, praying is pointless. And he says, actually, it's incredibly powerful. And the guy realizes he's got no other option. He's got nothing else that stands between his daughter and oblivion. So apparently he starts praying this. Initially it's quite mechanical and you know it's like it's like a pill he's got to take. But then he starts to connect with God. And he starts beginning to talk beyond just just the immediate prayer. And I mean to cut a long story short, what happens is the man becomes a Christian and, and the word comes to pass. In six months his daughter is back off the street living at home which, I mean, is just incredible. For, but for me, it, I mean, that, that story demonstrates two things. One is it demonstrates the heart of God to set people free from the oppression of the enemy. It absolutely loves it, loves doing that. Secondly, you and I are crucial to that. I'll give you a second story, which is a bit closer to home. Oops, excuse me a second. This is also in Starbucks. And, and just, just to be clear, I'm not trying to A, promote Starbucks, or B, say that if you want to develop your walk with God, you've got to regularly go to Starbucks. <laughs> Personally, I'm a prep man. but uh, so, so, so this story is actually about somebody in Manchester, north of England. They're going to work, normal day, Christian, and they're in the queue. They're just about to order their drink. And they actually sense the Holy Spirit saying to them, buy the person behind you a hot chocolate with whipped cream. It's like, oh no, that's really embarrassing. <laughs> you know, it's going to be really awkward. And, you know, when I, you know we just don't do that in England. But he, he feels, no, no you, you've got to do it. So he does it. And um, when it kind of serves, he, he gives it to the person and says, hey, this is on me. You know, it's a bit embarrassing, sorry, you know, I hope it doesn't upset you. And the, and the person says, why have you done it? You know, what, what made you do it? And he said, this is going to sound really weird. He said, but I'm a Christian. I felt the Spirit tell me to buy it for you. And, you know, I'm sorry if you're upset, but have it on God. <laughs> and the guy says, that is incredible. He said, can I talk to you? Um, and they sit down. He said, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who was a Christian. And I actually said to him, I said, if God loves me, have him buy me a hot chocolate with whipped cream. <sighs> Incredible. 
God's got a sense of humor as well, hasn't he? <laughs> the guy becomes a Christian there and then. The person's late to work. They apologize to their boss. The boss says, what, what happens? He said, look, I've just got to be really honest with you because it sounds a bit weird. Tells their boss. Their boss gets really interested in, in, in following this incredible person. One of the things, like, when I was preparing this and I felt kind of God giving me things to say, I, um, I said to God, it's great hearing other people's stories. And, and it's kind of encouraging to hear how God is using people. But I don't just want to tell other people's stories. You know, I just want to kind of almost land things on people and create this expectation unless I or people I know have personally done it themselves. So I said to God, give me a story to tell. And um, in, in the first service, we had somebody else sharing a story. But um, I, was sat, I was sat in church uh, about a month ago um, when Leon was doing the last service on, on the Joseph series. And this person walked past to, to go to the toilet. And I was kind of just sort of noticed. And, um, and I just felt God, God sort of drop in. I mean, it, it was like a sensing more than a hearing. But, but I felt the Holy Spirit say, that person's really tormented, but I want to give him my peace. Okay, and then the worship stops, and Leon started preaching, and uh, so I was kind of holding it, thinking, when's an appropriate time to to, to share this? And um, and then there was sort of ministry at the end. I was praying with somebody. Then the service was kind of wrapping up, and 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 I sort of turned around when I finished praying, and, and I noticed um, this this that, that my wife was praying with this person. So so I sort of wandered over and then when the service had finished I kind of shared what, what, what I felt God had said and the person just burst into tears which I thought that wasn't kind of the response I was hoping for but, but we got chatting and, and, and it turned out they were seriously tormented I mean there was no way of knowing from their face and um, we, we went into one of the rooms and prayed together and I mean, after about after after five or so minutes of praying, the atmosphere did change. Suddenly, it went from really kind of <clears throat> to really quite peaceful. And I thought, okay, well, that's good. I wonder what's going to happen. And I saw the person the week after with this kind of massive smile on their face, and the issue that they were tormented about had changed dramatically in in completely unexpected ways. Tales of the unexpected. Um, and again, it's just it's just this really obvious sense that God just loves setting people free from the torment of evil or the enemy and he uses us to do it it was literally three or four simple words but it seemed to just trans you know his word brings life and it transforms the situation I mean developing that capacity to sense what, what God is saying I believe is is critical to to being able to move in, in you know and do what I believe should be normal for all of us. I don't believe these kind of things should be unusual. I think they should be normal. Um, and as we grow in confidence in in sensing the you know God's his, his spirit, we can bring that life that transforming um, peace and love to people's lives. Jesus said, Jesus said, "My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me." Psalm 139 says, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. I believe this should be just normal. I mean, the good news is, when you do things like this, um, and you kind of act, I mean, if you ever had this experience, um, 
the joy that you experience is like, it's explosive. It's like God does all the work. You just get to kind of tag along. <laughs> and then you get to feel all the joy and happiness as well, um, which is, ex I mean, really exciting. A couple of weeks ago, just, just to kind of illustrate that, I, I was working with, some, uh, with, with somebody. I hadn't seen them for quite a while. Um, they, they'd fractured their shoulder, slipped on a curve running. Um, when they told me, before we actually started working together, I, I, I felt, just felt the Spirit say, offer to pray, pray for them. Um, which again, I thought, oh no, it's going to be embarrassing. How can I do it in a way that isn't? I felt God gave me a way to do that. And, and the person did say, yeah, I would li actually like to pray for me at the end of the day. And um, there was some improvement. I'd like to say there was complete healing. There wasn't, but there was some improvement. But the overriding thing was just the peace of God, just like... <sighs> It was kind of tangible. Um, and, and I thought, this is going to be really embarrassing. She, you know, she's going to get angry. She actually was extremely grateful. She emailed me afterwards and said, thank you for your hard work today and for your very generous gift at the end of the workshop. The workshop was running in Canary Wharf in, in Docklands, you know, this area of incredible kind of wealth and opulence. I'm walking back from the venue to the um, Canary Wharf tube station. I just kind of felt this overwhelming joy that was just so much more superior to what wealth and money and you know can give you. <laughs> That's the good news. There's some bad news as well, though, I'm afraid. Um, learning to get good at sensing the spirit is fraught with mistakes and getting it wrong. I was in a coffee shop in Hal's Owen, not Starbucks. <laughs> there isn't a Starbucks, is there in Hal's Owen? <laughs> Maybe that's a prophetic word. <laughs> and uh, I'm with Simon Wood. We were having a coffee, chatting. He's on the phone. There's a guy sat over there, so I'm kind of praying for him under my breath. And, I, and I'm probably a bit over-eager. And I think God's telling me he's got something wrong with his hip. So I wander over and have a word with him. I say, how's your hip? He said, absolutely fine. <laughs> Why are you asking? <laughs> And suddenly it was like really awkward and embarrassing. I said, oh, you know, no, no reason. And, um, so you get to laugh at yourself a lot as well. <laughs> Let me just begin to draw things to a close. I mean, Jesus, in the way he lived, in the way he is, shows us that he completely embraces and loves anybody who actually comes to him in, in faith, trusting him. Most of us have a tendency to make up things about, about who God is, you know, based on our experience of ourselves, our own dads. You know, I really believe God is saying, if your picture of me doesn't fit with who Jesus showed me to be, then you need to take an upgrade. You need to change that. Don't dumb me down. Don't misrepresent me. And we're called to be spreaders of this outrageous grace on, heaven, on earth as in heaven. And integral to doing that is having that vibrant relationship with God where we do just naturally sense his spirit and we go on this incredible journey of joy and excitement of bringing this incredibly good message to, to an experience to people.
just as we move into the closing <coughs> song, I just want to say a couple of things. First thing I feel prompted to say is, you don't need to be super good as a person to hear his spirit and to do some of the things that I've been describing. Let me give you an example. Yesterday, I had a bad day. Before I even got out of the house at 8.30 in the morning to take my daughter to a swimming lesson, I'd had about, I'm not joking, I'd had about 10 things go wrong. Including, I picked this coat off a coat rack and the whole thing just collapsed on top of me. And it culminated in me having a full-blown shout at my wife, which uh, wasn't pretty. I mean, I immediately knew I'd been an idiot and, uh, and apologised to her. <clears throat> so I took my daughter swimming, then she goes to a gymnastics lesson at the, at the Earls High School. And I'm picking her up, and there's a guy there about my age, so not that old. And... Uh, He's got a walking stick. And I, again, I just felt feel the, the spirit prompting me. Ask him about what's happened. So, so I say, do you mind me asking what's um, you know, what happened? So you've you know, to your leg. Cut long story short, he's got this condition, and um, I just very gently said to him, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus still still heals people. Um, if at some point you'd like um, me or us to pray for you, I'd be really happy to, and gave him a business card. And I thought, isn't it interesting, I've completely lost my temper, like an hour and a half ago. I've said sorry, <laughs> so I've cleaned it up, but here's, here's God using me, despite being an absolute idiot. <laughs> so as we move into this, this closing song going to sing the, the song that, that Lee and the group taught us um, at the opening. Just really use that to cry out to God. Just to reach into that love and acceptance that he has for you.